Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm your master of ceremony. Okay, it's it's working a little bit more. Okay, see? we have... See, this is you and this is me. Okay, we have a functioning audio setup now. Hold on. Let me see this again. Keep this in. I want the audience to know this is how much dedication we see. Yeah, this should... This, this looks like... Yeah, it's working. All right, okay, yeah. we're good. Okay, so we had some audio problems. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. How many how many weeks have we been recording? Okay, I should rephrase that. How many weeks have we been recording Saw? Because that's how many weeks I've used these. This is our seventh episode on Saw. So you'd think I would know what I was doing. <laughs> I do, however, have you in the studio. Hey! We are finally back together for the probably what may be the... The longest and thickest episodes that we've ever recorded. <laughs> and I don't mean that euphemistically. I mean that in the most painful truth way possible. Uh, I hope I don't bore anybody. But uh, but uh, buckle in. Yeah, just, just as a warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get started, I have an update. So um, when we talked about the Forever Purge a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, Universal Halloween Horror Nights have just started to announce what they're doing for this fall. Yes. Um, they've announced a child's play area themed after the upcoming TV show, and they've announced a purge area. Ooh. Like the tram tour is just mm. all purge. Do you know what they called it? They call it like purge annihilation or something? No. They called it the ultimate purge, Ooh. which is what they should have named the fucking movie. movie. <laughs> The ultimate purge, yeah, sounds a little hokey and dumb, but it's but cooler than the forever purge. <laughs> like, I'm going to go see the ultimate purge. It's like, okay, there's a lot of jokes that could be made, yeah. but it, it is at its core a cooler name than the forever purge, because the forever For sure. purge are just like, oh, right. But we're not talking about, about that. We're talking, we're talking about Saw 3D We're talking today. something with depth, okay? Something that has a deeper message. <laughs> Don't, don't look at me like that. I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that Saw 3D is actually trying to say something about society? And it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, in classic fashion, the final chapter, quote-unquote, of this, uh, in this twisted game of death is about as off-the-wall, violent, and out-of-control as you would imagine the finale to an epic like Saw would be. After seven entries, the game has seemingly come full circle. Hoffman has established himself as a force to be reckoned with, tightening his grip on John Kramer's legacy in the most startling of fashions. Taking the game's public by actively going to war with the law enforcement bodies desperately trying to stop him. I don't mean that, again, euphemistically. No, this is... This, I, everything <laughs> I'm saying is it's literal. With the most deaths and traps of any installment of the franchise, it's the Halloween kills of Saw. <laughs> Saw the final <laughs> chapter, Saw 7, Saw 3D, whatever you want to call it, will show you what it means to play a game. This time in quote-unquote heart-pounding 3D. Much Is that like they advertised it? It's one of them. Because <laughs> they had alternatively heart-pounding 3D, and the poster was a heart. Uh, eye-popping 3D, which was, was an, an eye. eye. And uh, there was one more that I don't remember. I don't know. The poster for this something one like I always that. remember is them building a That one I never drum, really understood. Which I think was something about building a legacy. But I was like, that already We will get happened? into that shit oh, later. Okay. <laughs> How, like, this movie is almost like the original Suicide Squad movie 
where like what they made and what came out was like the opposite, mm-hmm. but not in the sense of that Lionsgate or Twisted Pictures like fucked up the movie. I just think that these guys, well, and we're gonna get into it in a bit with production, but when they were writing it, uh, it turned out completely the opposite of how they anticipated, mm-hmm. and all the marketing was just like already done. Um, gotcha. So much like the tagline of five. And this is something that I, I do want to say before we like we've made already a lot of yucks about this movie, but truly, um, like Saw Five, you won't believe how it ends. Yes, uh, and it, it's something I've been wanting to talk about for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so getting into production, uh, it's directed by Kevin Grutert, um, who directed the last movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we mentioned before, but he's a fucking legend, yeah. like editing wise. He's edited every single Saw movie, save for the two that he directed, like mm-hmm. this one and six, uh, including Jigsaw, he's edited. Uh, he also did um, the collection, like the new collector movie, oh, yeah. the Dunstan movie. Repo, the genetic opera. Uh, he Lynn worked Bosman. Oh yeah, uh, worked in the editing departments, which just means you were there or you were an assistant or you mm-hmm. were the intern. Uh, so that's where he learned how to be an editor uh, for movies like um, Titanic. Donnie Darko, Armageddon, Homeward Bound 2. Homeward Bound 2? Like, Hell yes! Okay. Like, all of those other movies are, like, legitimately good credits as an editor. Homeward Bound 2 is just great. It's just, that's just for us. <laughs> it's, yeah, I just, I figured I would include it because I'm like, that's also good. Uh, he was not the original director of this movie. So, originally, Lionsgate had Saw 7 director David Hackle, who was that, um, he also was... Uh, and he he worked I think as the director of photography after. Yeah. Dur- I don't. He he used to do something in crew, um, but uh, they suddenly fired him for uh, little to no reason, and it's mm-hmm. kind of not really confirmed as to what it was. Uh, and they force Grutert's uh contractually, who was about to direct Paranormal Activity two. Um, they cited contract contra- contractual obligation. To direct this movie. I don't know where in his contract it said that, but it seems like very sudden. Like, they literally uprooted him from almost directing Paranormal Activity 2 to be like, you have to do this. I would say, from what I, from, I think I read the same thing, but from what it sounded like, that's the reason they fired David Hackle, was to force Kevin to not direct Paranormal Activity. that's even shitty. Which is really shitty. That's very I could be wrong, but that's how I understand it. I wonder, I mean, I doubt it, but, like, it'd be kind of fun if they were trying to sabotage, because Paranormal Activity obviously was fucking amazing. Yeah, and and it was extremely successful. Saw as the box office hit of October. Yeah, I think they wanted revenge. I think they did. So, so, okay, it's one thing to uproot someone completely from a movie they're about to make, but they were two weeks away from filming when they did this. Oh, my God. So he shows up and is like, okay, if we're going to make Saw 7 or we're making Saw 3 or Final Chapter, whatever the fuck, I'm making that. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he comes in with all of these ideas, obviously. Uh, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton go, well, we have a scripts like, done and, like, uh, props built and, like, kind of everything, like, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he arrived on set, he performed a comprehensive rewrite of the entire script, um, which Melton and, and Dunstan did supervise. Uh, so at least they did have a say again. So this is what I mean where they were like, Oh, well, we didn't think about that. We had this other thing. Mm -hmm. 
So um, I believe it was Patrick Melton. He explained that uh, the director uh, has a lot of ideas, but it's a bit hard and extreme to implement all of these ideas because sets have been built, people have been cast, props have been brought or created, and with the Saw films, they are so specific in set design because of the traps, it becomes very problematic and difficult to change things a whole bunch right in the middle of it. That was a quote. Like I was paraphrasing earlier. Like that he literally was like, "You can't just change you everything. You can't just do that right before filming." Um, and talking about okay, so clearly, a lot of money goes into production. A lot mm-hmm. of money goes into like he said, sets, props, everything. I would say a lot of that budget alone would go to things like you know that you would seem trivial. Uh, Saw 7 used over 25 gallons of fake blood. That's, that feels so excessive. Exactly. Especially so they've already for pay- the movie. Exactly. Well, and they already paid for that. So like yeah. that is, you need to use 25 gallons of fake blood because you fucking bought 25 gallons mm-hmm. of fake blood. So if Grutert comes in with this big psychological think piece as to the deconstruction of Jigsaw as a killer and you've already bought 25 gallons of blood, you're not going to be able to work that into the script. Yeah. You're going to have to go with what you've already bought. Mm-hmm. So that's just the environment that we're starting out in before they even get to make this before movie. Before cameras start rolling. Yeah, before we even get there. Um, but I want to talk for a second about that original script mm-hmm. that they had written. Uh, originally, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Milton entitled, intended the title to be Saw Endgame. That's the scope, exactly. Like, that's the scope of what they were going for. Mm -hmm. Um, They envisioned this as the end of the series, so they had no part in Jigsaw whatsoever. Yes. I did not make, they they made that note. Mm -hmm. I just, I wrote down what they said. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that's kind of why I feel like they will never, ever come back to Saw, because they may think that this was the ending that should have happened. Mm -hmm. Anything further is something they don't want to get involved in. Yeah. So, we'll just call it, call it 3D just for the sake of brevity. So this movie, Saw, and every time we refer to Saw 7, Saw 3D, or the final chapter, they, we're all, it's, it's all the, the same, same movie. movie. Um, so 3D had the longest pre-production schedule of any Saw film. Normally we're talking they get done in like a month, which yeah. I think is a little much. Maybe take some time. Uh, however, the complexity of shooting a movie in 3D, which this movie is, yep. at least was released as such. It was released, yes. And uh, some of those shots are still there. Well, it inflated the usual nine-week prep into 21 weeks and uh, inflated the budget to $17 million. Yikes. Avatar, it should be noted, came out last year uh, in 2009. Yeah, compar- yeah, when this movie was made. And uh, went on to be the most successful movie of all time and still is now it for a while wasn't and for some stupid reason they re-released it so it could get the top spot again i don't know yeah because disney wanted that who gives avatar a fuck avatar is stupid and, and it really it 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 revived 3d in mm-hmm. cinema long after it was already dead it revived it for literally avatar and that was it yep so every movie in the next three to four years wanted to be in 3d to get on that market because as i know from working in a movie theater that had 3d movies tickets are like 
five or six dollars extra oh, yeah. at my cheap theater, let alone seeing it in IMAX is like twenty five dollars extra. Yeah, no. So oh, it's literally nice. just a cash grab. Mm-hmm. So I, I think anytime a movie is like three D, like everyone involved is like, so that's what you just think of us, we're just here to make you money. So that's kind of a blow. Yeah. So <laughs> the next very note, format for three D for some reason, probably because Avatar came out the year before. <laughs> uh no one really wanted to do it. Obviously, no well, one on set wanted the to do it. the first movie they talked about putting Saw in 3D was 6. They did. Wrong. They we, talked about it, but it was too late in the production. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, this is going to happen with 7. I think, I think, I think Kevin Gruder was literally like, oh, thank God. Yep. And then when this one, he's like, I think part of the reason he's like so upset that he has to make this movie is he's like, they're going to make it fucking 3D. I just yep. know it. <laughs> so normally... You make a movie, and then you format it in 3D. Mm-hmm. It's all in post, so the actors aren't there for any longer than they have to be. Yeah. Unfortunately, with new technology, you are able to shoot 3D live. Uh, it takes way longer, it's way more expensive, and everybody hates it, but you can. I know The Hobbit was shot that way. They shot it like four. Right. Any movie that has like that four K shit, they shoot that way. So like, wait, with the new like IMAX cameras yeah, and everything. So like, it takes forever to shoot sometimes, especially if you're making something like The Hobbit, well, which came out around the same. Time, yeah, if it's that cinematographer's first time using the technology as well. It's a it's a big pain in the ass. Curve. Um, and he knows all about how much of a fucking pain in the ass it is. He edited all of these movies, and yeah. Titanic, I think, was re released into three D. Uh, I think around the same time, coincidentally, if I, I remember. I think, do you remember that? I think, remember for like a hot well, that's second. I, that's how I saw Titanic the first time. You saw it in theaters? I saw it in theaters. Oh, wow. And it How old were you? I don't remember, but it was an odd time. Did you like know about Titanic beforehand? A little bit, but not really. So I think I was still pretty young. Okay. But it was an odd experience. Titanic, I think, is one of the first times... When I was a kid, I watched a movie and someone died, like, realistically. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like watching Raiders where I saw someone get melted, melted. by, like, Enochian angels mm-hmm. or eaten by dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. It was, like, watching people drown or freeze to death. Yeah. So it was, like, a little, like, this is real sort of thing. Uh, I didn't even see the sex scene earlier. I just saw people die. So that's what I was like, oh, this is Titanic. So obviously it was a huge pain in the ass to make this movie in 3D live. Producers say that they saw a couple minutes of the original Saw in 3D and loved it so much that they wanted it for Saw 6. Yep. So first of all, someone took the time to edit parts of Saw, the original movie, into 3D. Uh, first of all, I don't know where in the movie. Yeah, I don't know truly... where they sold it. Cause... And then to sell it so much that all the producers go, let's spend a fuck ton more money making Saw 3D. Yeah. I don't understand it at all. Uh, but they liked it, the idea. Um, you know, they marketed it at Comic-Con because Com- uh, Saw had been coming to Comic-Con, I think, since Saw 5 or earlier. Uh, yeah, but like straight up San Diego Sa- Comic-Con. Back then, they marketed it as Saw, The Traps Come Alive, because the big shtick of marketing it in 3D was like, it's like, you're You're there, there. which 3D has never once made me think. Mm -mm. Uh, Maybe back in, like, 1960, when it first came out, did people think (laughs) that, but not in 2009 and not after Avatar. (laughs) Yeah. 
So, funny story about the theatrical release, and this is true. Um, in a Massachusetts branch of a showcase cinema, the film, Saw 7, was accidentally screened instead of the 3D animated film Megamind, which traumatized young audiences gathered for a seven-year-old birthday party. Ironic, since Megamind went on to dethrone Saw 7 as the number one spot at the box office the week after Saw 7 came out. Can you imagine that going into an animated Will Ferrell movie and the first thing you see Cuz think about this. The title crawl. Think about what the first scene of Saw 7 is. It is a bunch oh, of people in public This is the public execution. Not having any idea that they are watching people die in very explicit gory detail. <laughs> I think that is well, hilarious. Before then it's the little like production credits with people just screaming from the past movies no what it is is lawrence dr gordon that's right crawling to freedom after the events of saw one and then cauterizing the stump where his foot used to be that's right and then it's that <laughs> but oh also i never understand like and this is coming from someone who's worked at a theater i will never understand people walking into a movie and like not even just by the trailer is realizing they're in the wrong place. Yeah. Like, I will say, there are some movies I went to go see that were more adult that had more, like, child-friendly trailers, and I was like, that's odd. But the entire, like, before Lawrence even cauterizes his leg, like, it's clearly not an animated movie. Like, yeah. the end, the opening credits, the music, the Twisted Pictures logo, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> First of all, that should be enough. Like, this is not Megamind. Get your kids out of there. Go tell someone, like, hey, I think you're showing the wrong movie. And then you're out of the theater, and your kid is trauma-free before you get to see two bros cut their girlfriend in half. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that story's fucking hilarious. Because you hear about that stuff, like, all the time. And I think it's because it happened here, mm -hmm. and it was just, like, fun to, like, regurgitate that story whenever, like... I don't know, like Hostel or Jeepers. I think that happened with like Jeepers Creepers. Someone said that happened with so. three, and I'm like, I don't know. So, uh, I have one more. Oh, yes. So, Saw 6, or sorry, Saw 7 originally was going to be one of two, like, finale Saw yeah, movies. Yeah, part one. Yes. Uh, so here's why I'm scratching my head at this. This was said to be the last Saw movie because Saw 6 had a low return. That's pretty much the only reason. Yeah. Which is interesting because Saw 6 was the only movie really to make like a little bit less money than it should have. This movie became the highest grossing Saw movie since Saw 4. Saw 7, like 3D. The mm -hmm. last Saw movie grossed the highest amount since Saw 4. So you immediately picked it up, like you had the return... You are validated that people clearly still want to see your movies. Mm -hmm. I think it's just because, like what a lot of studios are happening now, when they're not making money because they decided to, I don't know, release their movie the same weekend that Halloween Kills is going to come out. And when that movie doesn't make money and Sony gets mad at Venom 2, it's going to seem like it's Venom's fault when it's fucking Sony's fault because they didn't look at a fucking calendar. I think that's exactly what Lionsgate really did sad here. They pushed back Venom 2. Again, it's not like 
human beings can only see one movie a month. Like there's literally in the you know back in the day, last you know, two years ago, mm-hmm. there were movies coming out every weekend that made a fuck ton of money. Yeah. It was just because they weren't two huge budget movies competing the same day because studios knew how to schedule shit. Yeah. And now they're just like push it back far. I don't care. And then they don't look. So when they don't make money, they're like. Why are our actors suing us? And you're like, because you didn't give a fuck to look at a calendar. And that's exactly what happened here. Mm-hmm. So the studio went on to say they had more movies in mind after this movie, even if they didn't come out right away. So you say that you're going to cancel your franchise because it doesn't make any money. The next movie that comes out makes the most money of all Saw movies. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, we'll make more. We just don't know yet. What do you do? Like, you're just going to pass up on the paycheck of making Saw movies from here to eternity, like Paranormal Activity? Yeah. Like, granted, those movies may not all be good, but they have a market. People mm-hmm. watch those movies. Like Saw clearly more. has an audience. Uh, listen to fucking us. Yeah. There's <laughs> clearly people that will see anything with Saw slapped on it. Just make more of them. You don't have to make your core story. You can start making your spinoff movies, because they have been talking about spinoff movies since 2009. They've been thinking yeah. about doing Book of Saw type movies for years, and they just didn't. Mm-hmm. I think it was because a lot of people felt the stigma around the franchise would just make them seem like inadequate directors, or make them seem like they didn't know what, like they like, like James Wan or or Jaren Bowsman, who would be like, "Oh, all they do is make Saw movies," and I'm like, "Yeah, but they made the best Saw movies," or like, "Yeah, but." Did you see those movies? Like, it's not bad to just make the same thing forever. I get as an actor how annoying that is, but, like, you know, if you want to make a passion project, like, of Saw, you don't have to make it every year. You can make it every couple of years. But, like, just because it didn't make money once doesn't mean that it should be beholden to the whims of a studio. Uh, So that's all I have for production. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I, I just, not even, like, it's like a, hey, Lionsgate, why the fuck? I just think it's interesting because they've clearly been having an idea of, like, how do we elevate the franchise? Mm-hmm. We branch out. We make, like, semi-canon things. We we refresh it. We make yeah. it new before we, you know, tie it back in. Kind of like how, uh, I don't know, was, uh, Harry Potter has been doing stuff. Like, all the Fantastic Beast movies are, like canon adjacent Mm -hmm. and then they reveal things that happen in the main movies or like allude to things that you didn't know about yeah i am super down for that because then it it adds to the fucking like little overall world yeah it it adds to the the soap opera drama of everything um so enough about that let's get into the cast uh do you want to start i'll give you the cast you can go through i'll I'll cover some of them yeah you go through so yeah starting off our cast um Sorry about the fan. <laughs> That's all good. That's what we need. <laughs> so, um, playing Bobby Dagan. Dagan, yeah. Um, is Sean Patrick Flannery, mm-hmm. who is from uh, Boondock Saints. Yeah. We, we saw Devil's Carnival. Devil's Carnival, yeah. Which, Do you remember him? I don't remember him because I. Okay. Here's, here's, I'm going to go on a little Devil's Carnival Listen, tangent. Listen, Dar- before we go further, Daryl and Bowsman, we think that you were an incredible director, an incredible creative mind, and Repo is amazing. Devil's Carnival's weird, man. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> and the first one, I I don't remember much about, because it was only like 75 minutes. It was just it's over short. an hour. And I don't remember a single thing that happened in that He was movie. the guy looking for his son. Was he really? Yeah, he was that guy. Okay. 
That, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, anyway, he was also in um, the final season of Dexter. He was in the Young Indiana Jones TV show. Yeah, which he was Young Indiana Jones for like yeah, 12 years. Which is crazy to me. I had no idea. I grew up on those on like episodes of that show. I've only seen a couple of them, but yeah, so like he's Young Indiana library, Jones. They always had yeah, there. Exactly. I was like, I'm a kid who loves Indiana Jones. Exactly. Give me all of the things. I think we just didn't have them at my library, so we didn't do them. Mm-hmm. And he's also slated to be in the next season of Amazon's The Boys. Yeah. Which I'm very excited for that season with um, Jensen Ackles as Soldier Boy as well. He is just like Jensen Ackles. He's going to be a member of Payback, and that is all they have said. Because he's listed, I don't remember if he's even listed as a character, but he's listed that he's appearing in the first episode, which is called Payback, which is going to introduce um, the boys' universe version of the Avengers. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who he'll be, but he's going to be in it. Um, next up in the cast, we have uh, Detective Gibson, played by Chad Donnella, who you may have seen in Final Destination and Blind Spot. I hate this guy so much. <laughs> this character is the worst. <laughs> he he sucks. Like, He's there's awful. nothing redeemable about him. <laughs> like, I watched this with Drew up in North Dakota and I was still there. And Drew would just turn to me every once in a while and be like, is this guy real? True. We're going to get into it, like, we're almost right off the bat, but um, this movie has, like, a lot of. It's mean. Yeah. This movie is mean uh, to people. Uh, namely, women. Women. Uh, yeah. Like I have a whole breakdown of it, but like he just is like the the spearhead version of it. Yeah. And I don't understand why. <laughs> um, next up, we have Joyce Dagan, played by Gina Holden, who is yeah. in Final Destination Three, mm-hmm. which I think is my favorite of the Final Destination movies. Either She's that or five. The younger sister mm-hmm. of Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because she, and we'll get to it more with, with as we go further in the episode, mm-hmm. but um, she has a specific role in the Saw canon in your mind that I won't say yet, but that's who that is. <laughs> um, she was also in the second Alien vs. Predator movie, and she's been in a lot of really suspiciously named TV movies, like... Where's my baby? I didn't kill my sister. Boy in the attic and sleeping with my students. So originally I wrote this down to read that to you. So it's very funny to hear you read it. Oh my god. I, I, I'm not the only one who thinks this sounds suspicious, right? No, that right? sounds weird. Don't they sound like softcore pornos? Even the ones that are like crimes? <laughs> Sorry. I I'm really... not. This is hilarious. <laughs> um, Kale, who will be one of our trap contestants, I guess. I'll oh, I remember. Him, K- yeah. um, is played by uh, Dean Armstrong, who was in um, Queer as Folk. I have to make sure to say that really descriptively. I had never heard of the show, but apparently it's got like an enormous following. <laughs> following. Um, he was in Supernatural. He was in the Beauty and the Beast TV show. Fucking everybody. There's ever so since, many, ever since it. it. <laughs> I, it's just like, well, and it's, what's weird is, especially with Jigsaw, I'm looking people up and I'm like, eh, I've been in a whole lot of things. So, like, I didn't like, say anything mm-hmm. about the character at all. But then, like, every character in the movie 
has been in like the same eight shows. Yep. And I'm like, is there a pattern somehow? <laughs> um, Dean has all was also in the fourth Wrong Turn movie and the TV series Heroes Reborn. Now, I um, don't remember him at all. <laughs> but if you guys still want to, we still have to we watch the last. Well, because here's the thing. We have, like, four episodes left in season three, mm-hmm. and then we have four, which I actually really like, but is objectively boring. Okay. And then we can watch Heroes, Heroes Reborn, because now all of us love Henry Zabrowski, so we can all watch it for him, for him. But now we can all watch it together and make fun of it. Yes. Which is interesting, because this won't be the last person in the Saw franchise that's been in Heroes Reborn. <laughs> So continue, please. Um, next up, we have Suzanne, another trap contestant. Played she, by... I believe, is the um, oh, fucking see no, see no evil. evil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's the, um, not publicist, she's the PR person, I think. She's the other woman that dies. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, played by Rebecca Marshall, who's in episodes of Two and a Half Men, one of my favorite shows, The West Wing. Yep. And um, Supernatural. She's also in Lee Winnell's later movie, Cooties, yeah. starring Rain Wilson. I don't remember her in the movie. She might not be a main character. My and you best, watched it more my recently. My best guess is she's the mom who comes to pick them up. Yeah, maybe. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I don't remember specifically. But um, the cast list for Jigsaw is just as fucking twisty-turny, like, conspiracy. Like, it reads about as conspiracy as the rest of the movie. So I want to have you read that, too. Yes. Um, okay. So now we but can start with... that's our new cast, man. Yes, that's the new cast. Um, we didn't talk a lot about most of them, because truly a lot don't matter. Uh, yeah. This movie, unfortunately, does not do a lot. Like, of course, there are new characters in it. Mm-hmm. This movie actually, according to the writers, has the most amount of characters, period. Yeah. Which um, doesn't matter, really. It doesn't bog anything down. Mm-hmm. Because only two of them matter. And it's Jill Tuck and Hoffman. Yes. So, where did we last leave Detective Mark Hoffman? So, last we left Detective Mark Hoffman, um, he was... Put in the reverse bear trap 2.0 and strapped into a chair, which he broke his way out of the straps and managed to break his himself out of the reverse bear trap by putting it between two metal bars so it could only open a little. He rips open his cheek to get his mouth out before it can fully open, and we see him scream on the ground. He... He beats the trap. He, yes. He just, like Strom, finds a way to beat what should have killed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you weren't already afraid of Hoffman or didn't take him seriously as a protege, um, the last ten minutes of six make you take him seriously. Yes. Because he beats a trap. Uh, he kills anyone that would know that he's Jigsaw uh, in about five seconds flat. Yeah. Um. And he's just going to keep going. Just, like, 
Mark Hoffman. He's in this movie fucking goes off. I do love the little nickname for him being the Hoffmanator. Yeah, thank you, Dead Meat, for it, that. It's, it's accurate, and I love it's it. It's absolutely true, and definitely fair. However, and we mentioned it earlier, but this movie doesn't begin with the previously on Saw that you would expect. It begins with a previously on Saw that you would have almost completely forgot about. Mm-hmm. The opening scene sees Dr. Lawrence Gordon, the survivor from the original Saw movie. Played by Carrie Elways. Carrie Elways, who's back. Loves. Who's back now. Who's back. Um, I, I actually can't believe I didn't reference him in the cast list. But he's, originally, he had been, uh, he had had a dispute with the studio over his salary for the mm-hmm. first movie. Because originally, instead of opting for a salary being tied to the the gross of the movie, he opted for a, specifically, a specific amount of money because he didn't think the movie yeah. would make a lot of money. And then it became extremely successful. Uh, he wanted to renegotiate. renegotiate. They said no. He kind of was like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to be a part of this. And um, they reached out several times, and he was either busy or yeah, said initially, no. Initially, the first time he was asked back was for Saw 3. Yeah, he was supposed to be Jeff. Yeah. yeah. He was the original person who was supposed to be put through another round of traps. But he said no because they were still in their litigation phase. Yeah. But by the time we reach Saw 7, they've finalized their conversations, and he is now set to return. Yeah. And it's in the it's in the one of the best ways possible because it's something that doesn't seem like a complete reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it feels like something that would obviously be like okay, well, most franchises that go back to like they have an ending, they usually do some kind of return to form. Yeah, uh, which is good, especially in this case where it's gotten so seemingly complex that an average person wouldn't get it. Yes, and I feel like the average person would get this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you said Drew started on this one. Or he started on four, but he, he watched four, this but one too. He watched too. this one with me. Um, did he see five and six too? Yes. Okay, so never mind. So he knows exactly why everything is happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first scene is Lawrence, who the last time we had seen him was he crawled out of the bathroom and left Adam to discover the tape deck in Zepp's pocket and then John to get up off the floor. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the movie. So Lawrence is crawling to freedom after just having cut his foot off. He finds a steam pipe that is superheated and cauterizes his wound. And that's the last thing we see of him for a bit. For a while. Which is a great way to begin. It's like, hey, we didn't forget about Lawrence. He's going to be in this. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to start. It gets me excited. I'm like, fuck. Like, what's, what's Lawrence got to do with all this? Yeah. Um, we get into the opening trap, which we've already also mentioned. It's also where I believe Saw becomes terrorism. Yeah. Like, the, the work of Jigsaw now moves from, like, silent judgment to straight up, like, domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. Because this is... Um, the trap is exhibitionist, mean-spirited... But also kind of wholesome. If you think about kinda, it. Kind of, yeah. If you think about it, like, it kind of is good. Uh, like, if you look at it completely objectively, without the, the, the barrier of gender, it is a wholesome trap at its heart. If you flip yeah. those genders, it would be just as wholesome. And yes, I think the I, more, I would, I would think that. more people would recognize its wholesomeness. Yes. Um, unfortunately, it's with two guys and a female. Yep. Um, so, like we said before, this movie somehow has a problem 
with women. I don't know if it knows it does, but it does. Um, not to the point that I would think it makes it unwatchable. Um, it doesn't... It's more underhanded. It's, it's, it makes you feel weird, but you don't know why until someone goes, it's kind of mean to women, and then it clicks. And then everything clicks, yeah. Um, I, it almost feels like one of the writers, and I didn't want to do research because I didn't want it to, to know if it was true or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like one of them was going through like a rough a breakup, breakup or like a divorce or something bad. Yeah. Because there is not a single woman with a redeeming quality in this movie except for one who has an unfortunate set of circumstances. <sighs> so, the opening trap involves three people. Two gentlemen whose names are just as generic and handsome as they are. They are strapped to a saw table that is... It's kind of hard to explain. It's pretty much like a big table that they are, like, handcuffed to. And in front of them is a large buzzsaw blade that can be pushed. Or, like, the table... Yeah, there's one on either side of the table where they are kind of, you know, handcuffed. And they cannot move, but they can push the table back and forth to mm-hmm. put the saw closer to the opposite participant per, uh, person in the in the trap. Yes. The center of the table that moves with the table is a vertical buzzsaw that's going to cut someone in half strapped to the ceiling who's being lowered onto the buzzsaw. This seems very convoluted, but when you look at it, it looks very simple. Yeah. So I would recommend Googling a picture. So once these saw blades turn on... These two guys have to push the blade in the center out of the way to save the life of this woman, whom both of them are dating. Yes. Um, Nicknamed the lover's triangle trap, I think. I like to call it um, the uh, public park trap, because it's literally in a public park, in a glass, like, plexiglass, like, window display. Um, So the two guys don't know about each other, Mm -hmm. so we're clearly like, well, they, Fuck this other guy! Oh, they are. Oh, oh, right. But yeah, because they, they know each other's names. Fighting to be yeah her boyfriend. So they are trying to kill the other one by pushing the saw blade into the other guy's chest to save this woman. Dina, Dina is her name. She's that's the only name I remember from these three. <laughs> well, I remember it's like Brad and Ryan, I think, yeah. which are like again the most generic dude bro names, dude bro names ever. So where this trap gets kind of mean to women is it's like it's insinuating that this woman's mortal error was, quote unquote, using these men, um, you know, just kind of being like she's a cheater and she fucked up their lives. She deserves death, which I'm like, oh, maybe not. It's a little harsh. It's a little harsh, Hoffman. Um, but it's I think it's wholesome because let's say she was like the worst person ever. Let's just say whoever again, not even just her, whoever was the person leading these two people on, it's it's bad. Um maybe not deathworthy, but it's all seven, come on. Like we've gone this far. Um The two guys kind of have a moment where they look at each other and they're like, Is she fucking worth it, man? And they're like, No. Like it's like they're like, Is it worth killing someone else like because they're buddies like you said they're buddies like is it worth killing your buddy or dying for this woman and like they're like nah and then they like move it so that it kills her yeah and then my favorite interaction is just she goes what are you guys doing? yeah right goes, I, think I think we're breaking, breaking up with, with you dina 
it's kind of funny. And at the end, it is wholesome because we'll come back to these guys later mm-hmm. uh, because they are important, sort of, to me. They're yeah. important to me. So my last note about the whole thing is just so we don't have to talk about it when it happens later. Um, the movie across the board's weird, like, misogyny nature has, like, it's all symbolism more so than outward I mean, obviously, violence towards women, but, like, it's a Saw movie. Everyone gets violence. But the manner of violence is the specific weird thing. Yeah. Um, One trap banks on a woman shutting up to survive while something is ripped out of her throat with force. Um, Another one dies with a rod down her throat. Um, One of them has... And with each death... Uh, a woman is put in an increasingly submissive position in the brazen bull. So it's just like this, and then it's the detective just yelling at Jill, calling her insane. And we're like, and we're like, so? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you have a bigger problem, whatever. So it's just got that, like, air of, speci- like, I wouldn't say that it's, like, oh, the movie has a lot of violence towards women. It's just the manner of violence is specific. Yeah. Like, it was written with that intent. Mm. And it was supp- it was written specifically to kind of be hidden and not as be overt, which makes it, like, something was going on here. <laughs> um, but enough about that. I think this is the only time a buzzsaw has officially been the death instrument of anyone in a trap. I could be wrong, or it's at least in terms the, of the death. Yeah, I think you're right. Death-wise, I think it's so. It's been used before, but it's never caused someone's yes. death. Like this is a specific thing that, like, you will. It's death by buzzsaw, mm-hmm. um, which is cool because the saw has been like the big marketing thing of yeah. the franchise. Um, also, shooting your first trap outside without any filter, without any lighting that is not natural, it makes the movie feel more grounded. Like, the first couple, obviously, it's all filter. It feels otherworldly. I mean, look, remember what we talked about with Underworld it being at night? Yeah. This is the day. Saw is now in everyone's day-to-day life, and it's fucking, you know, just wrecking everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoffman is just a terrorist now. Mark Hoffman is just losing it. He's in uh, the berserker mode of his serial killer, uh, whole thing. Shtick, yeah. Uh, and so he's come out of the shadows, because now everyone knows who he is. But he's still on the run. So now the games have come out of the shadows, sort of. You know, now they're in this era where people haven't learned their lesson or they haven't listened so now they're being attacked on their way to work mm-hmm. and jigsaw does the exact same thing and it's yeah. fucking creepy <laughs> um he's now got this crazy because he stitched up his face mm-hmm. and he's now got this crazy like scar yeah on his right cheek uh there's a character in the Punisher comics and show who's got a fucked up face who goes by the name Jigsaw. So I think it's kind of funny because Hoffman looks like the Punisher's Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's got this, like, new resolve. He's now, like, become, yeah, the Hoffinator. He's become this, like, vessel of death. Mm-hmm. He escapes his death trap and immediately goes after and almost murders Jill 
before he embarks on his crazy game of death warpath to destroy her and the police at the same time. Yeah. So that is like the quote-unquote soap opera e plot of the movie, as opposed to the trap plot of the movie, is it's just death. And then the trap plot is more death. <laughs> like, this movie is this movie's got a straight up death. death. Yes. The whole thing. Um, I mentioned the main cop sucks, but like, how much does he suck? He's, he's so bad. Like, yeah, we've mentioned it before. This is good. This is worth mentioning several times because he just... As how he's written just is the worst. And he doesn't accomplish anything. It, like, you remember when being a bad cop made them more interesting? Mm-hmm. Like, Detective Matthews had all that depth. And, like, we found that, like, at his core, he was still, like, a good guy. And we know exactly why he, like, used the law this way. We learned a lot about Rig mm-hmm. and how he fucked up. Um, but he still meant well. And, I mean, Hoffman, you know, probably the reason he's, you know, he drank the, the, the jigsaw Kool-Aid is because his sister was murdered and the guy was let free. Mm-hmm. And then you just get this guy who's just, just an asshole. Yeah, he's just a prick. <laughs> and especially he has um, a relationship or and a history with Hoffman that doesn't make any sense. And I think that they realize that it didn't work. Because then it becomes the plot of Jigs, uh, not Jigs, uh, Spiral. Yes. Like, the, that whole dynamic of someone being reported to IA uh, and that cop then being seen as a target is the plot of Spiral. Yeah. Which makes that interesting. So clearly they liked that idea, but they're like, they're like we fucked it up. Execute well, let's try it again. We needed a lot of, we bought 25 gallons of blood. We can't make yeah. this big thing. We need to make it stupid. Um I'm going to give you this page because I want you to do as much talking as I do cool, cool, on this cool. part. <laughs> so, yeah. So now we get into um, Bobby Dagan, who's our main trap protagonist of this movie. And I'd say we'll probably spend most of this episode talking about him just mm-hmm. because Hoffman is just doing various machinations to try to get Jill while Jill is hiding with the police. Yes. Um, so we meet him. He's our intro- introduction to the world of Jigsaw survivors. And I, Matt is so excited dying. we can finally talk about the support group. I've been dying to talk about the support group. <laughs> I've dying to talk about them for so long. Because they're the most creative and specifically unique thing this franchise has to offer that I have not seen anywhere else mm-hmm. until literally a month ago. Yeah. Um, with the book Final Girl Support Group, which I've uh, not read yet, but really want to. It's essentially um, the same thing here, except they are survivors of, like, Jason and Freddy. And, like, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, I don't think the book goes the direction that I think this was trying to go. But before then, before this book, I had never heard of this concept. So I think it bears a lot of merit to discuss about so yeah in this support group most of them do under have this understanding that because of these traps they were put through they have been reborn and they're better off for having these experiences and all of that starts with dr lawrence gordon dr lawrence gordon with the exception of amanda so okay so what what do we know from just the first movie amanda was the first person to survive mm-hmm. any test. 
So the first thing that she does is go home and reevaluate her life. And John is there to pick up the pieces. Because he, again, none of these torture implements are designed to kill somebody outright. Yes. John wants them to win. He wants them to be reborn. And that is what the entire mission that he's set out is about. Mm -hmm. Amanda was his first, like, disciple. And the very next one, or, like, the person that, like, survives the trap is Lawrence. Yes. So he goes a different route where he creates this network for survivors Mm -hmm. to come together and talk about their experiences. But they don't do it in the ways you expect. Yes. If you were, you know, if you if you were to go to, I mean, any sort of support group, it's about healing and about moving on. Um, and this is more about taking the power that this gave. They see these experiences kind of as positive. Yeah. Which is what's interesting is they're all like Amanda, except they're not as, like, broken as Amanda is already. Mm-hmm. So they can come, they, they had stable lives, this experience, and have stable lives again with a different perspective. Because who's at this meeting? Um, so most of the people in this meeting are people we could recognize. They're cameos from survivors from Saw 5, Saw 6, a couple from traps we didn't necessarily see, which we'll see a little flashback to. Um, that one's just straight up like, hang on to the rafters or, or fall be, into lawnmower. Yeah, die by lawnmower. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Devin Bostic, who played yeah, Brent in Sussex, Roderick. who's also Roderick in Diary of a Woman yeah. Kid, was offered the chance to come back and reprise the role, but had to turn it down because he was too busy Making being Donald. Roderick. I think that's even funnier. <laughs> That he couldn't be in Saw 3D because he was being Roderick. So I'm just imagining him already in costume getting a call from his agent and being like, I'd love to be in Saw, like, Saw 3D, but I'm Roderick right now. And then hanging up and like doing the scene from the movie. Um, and the only person who really has a problem with how everyone else is interacting with this is the pound of flesh trap lady who survived by cutting her arm off in Saw 5. She's the only one who's like, hey, um, this didn't help me. Um, this sucks. The only good thing out of it is handicap parking at the mall. Which uh, I'll never get over that line. <laughs> I don't think they invite her to the um, Jigsaw Survivor potluck every month yeah, that they have. Because she seems like a bit of a downer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but... She is literally the only person, including Bobby Dagan, who we know as, at the beginning of this movie, he is a survivor of a jigsaw trap where he had to insert hooks into his chest and then pull himself up or something. But the point is that he is a survivor who is, like, what's the word I'm looking for where you start making money off something? Monetize. Mm He's monetized his experience by writing a book, hiring an agent, hiring a, you know, a PR person to, but, you know, it's not like it's to make money. Like, it really doesn't seem like, you know, we, we, we learned early on that he's a liar, like he made up this whole experience to make money. Yeah. But when he talks about it, he actually seems like he's jealous 
that he wishes he could have this, this experience. Mm -hmm. Or at least he subconsciously subscribes to the belief that someone could go through something like that and, and be reborn. Because yeah. he gets his whole shtick from seeing a woman who came forward on the news who was a survivor mm -hmm. talking about how her experience made her a better person. And he didn't think that was stupid at all. There's not a point no. where he's like on camera talking about it and he gets off and he's like, that fucking bullshit. He's like, no. He believes that. Yeah. And just like um, Mr. Easton in the last movie, by the end of his whole like trap arc, he gets it. Yeah. And he understands that he can't like the only thing that he really did wrong was bring these shitty people into his life and to help him sell his lie. Yeah. Which I think John should have just let this guy be because it was gaining him a lot of like good intention like people probably like i don't know someone whoever's the killer in spiral probably heard this mm -hmm. and was like fuck yeah that's probably that i believe that that's something that i think i could implement yeah so someone that hears this even if it's a lie they're still hearing you know the the good word of of uh priest jigsaw yeah and Going off of Priest Jigsaw, I love your little note here about them Thank all you. meeting in a church, which Matt nicknamed the Church of Jigsaw Christ of Latter-day Trap Survivors. I don't mean to be insensitive, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, we then meet his whole entourage in Wizard of Oz fashion so we can watch them die later on in the movie. Um, uh, before there, we get to... There's a whole bit where they do this, like, pan around of all the survivors um, as Bobby is talking to them, where... Because he's basically being like, we're here because of this experience. Because he's doing press for his book, so he's recording so a session. there yeah. as well, yeah. So he sees... The, Lawrence is there, and kind of is, like, not a fan of his. And I don't really under... Like, I understand where he's coming from ultimately, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't understand why he would create this network of people. It's like it's, Danny, it's weird. Why would you create a network of people that believe this if all they want to do is spread their message instead of do something else? It's weird. weird. Well, we can move on. We can get to that later, I would assume. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> we have a section. I, I know, but I want those. I want them to. I want them to understand that there is more to this that we can't talk about just yet. Um, so after we meet Bobby Day again, we then jump into Jill's dream sequence, which is the only time there's a dream sequence trap in the franchise. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I don't understand it. It's weird. Um, it was definitely something they had just saved up. And pushed yeah. back, and they were like, well, fuck, well, it's the last one. we got to put it out there. I think they said Saw 3, maybe. Okay. It was that or the human blender from uh, Jigsaw that was, like, in 3 yeah, or 4. It was oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, because they were like, how can we, like, use this? And they were like, they patiently told Daryl and Bowser that he couldn't make a human blender. Yeah. <laughs> also, in Jill's dream sequence trap, we have Hoffman's fun line, which is, you know, my only regret about killing you, Jill, that I can only do it once. Like, because he's the Hoffinator, now it's scary. Like, yeah. when he said that, I'm like, oh my god, that's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> and then he launches a roller coaster car that's in the shape of just a spike. 
yeah. at her, and it you know it kills her. But like, why all of like? Could you imagine how long it probably took to build that when he could have just like shot her yeah. or something <laughs> simple? Well, yeah, because at this point he's not trying to put her through it. No, he's just trying to murder her. Like that thing probably would kill her as instantaneously as if he just shot her in the face. Yep. And she would be just as terrified if he stood there and held a gun at her face than she would watching this thing rocket down a track towards her. And I choose to believe that the only reason they took that design was because it could look interesting in 3D. I also think that they did that trap better justice in Spiral. The opening trap uses a train to kill somebody, and that's way scarier, at least to me, than a roller coaster car with a big spike on it. Yeah. Um, right after Jill's dream sequence, we jump into yet another trap before our trap plot begins, which is the car trap. Oh my god. The car trap is so... I have a whole paragraph of how awesome it is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of capitalization in here. I love it. Do you mind if I take this? Oh, please. Please. Okay, 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 okay. So the car trap is the best trap in this movie. Like, hands down. Because of so many reasons. Namely, the first being... It's got four people in it mm-hmm. um, that are all guilty of the same thing, yes. which is cool. Uh, the ringleader of them is played by Chester Bennington, the former lead singer who's now deceased of Linkin Park. Mm-hmm. Um, they reached out to him. He was a huge fan of the franchise. They got him to be in the movie for just this one scene, and in classic horror fashion, he had the best role, which is the most memorable death in a horror movie, and especially in a Saw movie, you die in the best trap of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that is forever synonymous with you. Uh, also, it was the anniversary of his death, like, three weeks ago like right before i watched this movie so i was like wow that's it lines up perfectly so it kills four people it's the most anyone's died in a trap before yeah because how many people did the carousel trap kill only four four this one also kills four um but it does it in a better more like actiony cool way all at once stylized yeah, all at once, which I think is the more, the bigger differentiation. And it kills racists. Yeah. They're just there because they're racist. There is no, like, they're not committing hate crimes or, that we know of. Uh, they're just there because they're racist, which is so fucking funny. There's literally no other reason other than that they're just racist. So Chester is, I don't even remember, he, I don't think his character has a, first name or maybe he does it on the tape i don't remember chester bennington is in the whole track takes place in an auto body shop Mm -hmm. so there was a car that is on like a jack system of some sort so it's like several feet off the ground and chester is glued somehow to the front seat super glue yeah i don't know he did something to like yeah it's like his skin is like one with the seat Mm -hmm. um his girlfriend is right below the car Underneath uh, the tire, if yes. the jack falls. So there will be, there's a timer that after, I think it's a minute. 90 seconds? 90 seconds. The car, which starts accelerating. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of moving parts here. What you need to understand is that he's in a car, he needs to pull a lever, so he needs to rip himself off of the seat to pull the levers to stop the car. Because as soon as the tape is over, the engine begins accelerating, and the car is going to drop onto his girlfriend and kill her. 
Uh, she, coincidentally, was the winner of Scream Queen Season 2, so she got to be in this trap. Amazing. So good for her. Uh, also, as the car drives forward, it is going to rip off the arms and face of a guy who is chained to the car, his jaw, uh, and then, and then it will run straight at a guy who is chained to the garage door. So it will kill him, crash through, and then hit another car where the uh, physics of hitting will catapult Chester Bennington out of the car into another one. into another car, and then he will die. Mm-hmm. That all happens, and it's awesome. Because the whole time it's just like industrial metal playing as he's reaching. He fucking acted his butt off. Yeah. That scene is amazing. Um it also reminds me of those... Remember those Living with Jigsaw videos? I love those videos. Where it's just like... I put thumbtacks on the toilet seat. Yeah, where it's just like crazy weird stuff. This is just like, I've glued you to the seat. Now you must get out. Like, how inconvenient is that? Um, so, that trap pretty much is just to set up where the cops are for most of the movie. Is they're investigating this like crazy trap... Um, they, uh, it's one of the places where Hoffman has kind of set up a base so he can move around while yes. he's on the run. So they're there kind of breaking that down, uh, during and after the whole cop plot is going on while Hoffman is, is, a, is killing everybody. Yes. He was trying to kill everybody. Um, so yeah. And that, that car, whole car trap, again, like some of the other traps in this movie and in other movies, was originally intended for a different earlier movie, but they were like... That's, that's a little too much, and by Saw 7, they were like, sure, fuck it, just do it. I believe the quote is, they deemed it too disgusting. I think it was, yeah. yeah. Or disturbing, disturbing is what it's, I couldn't read it upside down. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's fucking great. That's a great track. Like, that scene started, I went, fuck yeah! Like, I just remembered it. <laughs> Um, so then we jump into Bobby's trap plot, which is, an, again, a new kind of innovative trap plot where he's walking through it, but it's all an indictment on his lies, which would make sense later on. Yeah. Um, which is what I'm saying is that I don't think that John specifically had a huge problem with Bobby. I think he just wanted Bobby to really learn the lesson. Um, because his whole thing, unlike with, with you know, William Easton, isn't like, this. You, know, you have met me. I'm going to tell you why you need some readjusting. Because the only interaction that John has ever had with Bobby is when he went undercover, uh, which is just putting on a backwards hat and, like, a windbreaker, and going to a book signing and being like, you don't think um, lying is wrong? Not saying anything, just, like, weird, right? Um, the whole scene is just weird. It's a really weird scene. But, like, it really isn't that John has a big problem with him. I think it was just, like, if he's going to be this influential, he should get the message right, which yeah. I guess is pretty nitpicky, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because everyone that Bobby knows that dies deserves it except for one person. Yeah. Um, but the trap plot in this movie is in an abandoned mental hospital. It's pretty fucking cool. Which is cool and a throwback to the Saw video game. God, man. <sighs> we got we to finish that sometime. I think we will one day. <laughs> Some, at some day. 
Um, and then we jump back to Jill's plot, where she is trying her darndest to be on the run from the Hoffmanator. But these cops just... They're so, so bad. So Jill goes to the police and is like, so immediately after she has put the reverse bear trap on Hoffman, and Hoffman broke out of it. She was like in the same building still, so she got the fuck out of there, went to the police and was like, Mark Hoffman is the jigsaw killer, he's trying to kill me, and you need to do something about it. Um, they've been looking for him for months, uh, he's been on the run still, they couldn't find him. So, she finally is entrusted with this cop, who uh, puts her in a safe house. Now, safe houses operate if um, no one knows where the safe house is. But you know who does know where safe houses are? Your fellow officer. I just, like, I wish you could see my face right now. Like, the police officer was hiding the woman from a police officer who was trying to kill her by hiding her where the police hide people that they don't want anyone else to find. Because there's even a, like the scene where, again, he talks down to her, so she's like, I'm not going to be safe here. And he's like, Jill, it's a safe house. Turns around, and a cop goes, we just received this. And it's a disc by Hoffman recording himself being like, just give me I know where you are, I'll kill all of you, just give me Jill and I'll stop. But it's just the rhythm of, you stupid bitch, it's a safe house, Hoffman found us. He goes, fuck! And I'm like, yeah, you fucking idiot, it's a cop! He's like, oh, it's just like, the amount of stupidity, it's just insane. There's just like, I don't know. It's, it's hilarious to me at this point. It's more than it is, like, stupid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, in his, like, address to the police, Hoffman gives them, like, okay, so you guys may not know this, but Jill is uh, just as culpable for all these crimes. I mean, maybe not as him, but, like, she helped and knew about it. She She's clearly an accessory to murder. And he's just like, um, if you gave her to me... I'll kill her, and then I will stop the game, and you can arrest me. Or I'll kill all of you. What is this... What decision do these guys make? So... I mean all of this in, like, the most entertaining way. Yeah. Because it feels like all of the... Because they've just killed every other, like, competent officer. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what's left. <laughs> it's just beat cops. Well, yeah, and he just basically is like, Jill, stay in the safe house. I'm going to go figure out where he recorded Yeah, he's this. like, I'm going to find cool because he, Hoffman gives him, like, some little, like, coded riddle mm-hmm. to bring the police officer to the location of um, where uh, the, the officer, the detective, when he was a beat cop, was responding to a call and, you know, got jumped by a homeless person who took his gun. Mm-hmm. And then Hoffman showed up and killed the guy. Yes. And was like, and then Hoffman turns to the guy and is like, sometimes you gotta shoot first. Yeah. But the guy had a gun. Yeah. This isn't like some kind of like, oh, he pulled the gun on me, like a spiral thing where it's more like, I think he just killed me. This guy like overpowered a police officer, 
and took his gun and then loomed over the police officer. It wasn't like, oh, well, he just was stealing the gun so he could do... Like, whatever reason this guy was stealing the gun was not going to benefit people. Yeah. Especially because then he steals the gun and then, like, looks on with murderous intent and then went off and tells the guy to freeze... And the guy does, and turns around to face Hoffman with the gun still in his hand. Then Hoffman shoots him. Yep. We know Hoffman isn't a killer, like a like a quote unquote true killer, because that's what his argument, John's argument was back in Saw Five with him. He's like, I could just kill you, and he's like, Yeah, we're well, not a true killer. Like you do this for a reason. Like all the people he's killed in Saw Six, and he's gonna kill in this movie. He feels like are for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So he didn't just murder this bum. I don't believe it for a second. I think this cop, because then this, this same cop, after, this, after Hoffman saved his life, reports him to Eternal Affairs for police brutality. Which, I think he's just an idiot. Because this was not police brutality. This was him saving his fellow officer from a gun-wielding, like, you know, you, you don't know what this guy's going to do. And even if it wasn't justified, which I you could you know, reasonably say. It's not, like, you know... It was just a lack of... Like, this is a, a, a situation where it's, like, he just misread the situation, but all the ingredients were there for him to be, like, oh, baby. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe he's just fucking with this kid because the kid's, like... Would it be, he's probably, like, would it be fun if I just, like, fucked over this cop who fucked me over years ago? Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we jump back into the trap plot, and we start going through... Bobby's traps, and by Bobby's traps, I mean the traps he's supposed to help people through. He does do more physical punishment than I would say William Easton did. Maybe a little bit more so. Like, aside from the fact that he's got to rip his own teeth out later, most of the traps he has to do something himself, or he has to also further maim himself. So yeah, the first one is the speak no evil trap, um, which... I agree with you. I love yeah. the fact that these traps are themed. I really the sayings, that. And I would love to see more of that. Yeah, like, could you imagine if, like, Mark Hoffman went to kill people, like, based on the seven deadly sins? Like, you literally just combine seven with Saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, seven pretty much already is, but it's that same level of, like, it's fun when things are themed. So, yeah, this, I think so. This Speaking of Evil Trap, his um, publisher is strapped in a chair with um, different like, pipes pointed at her, and a string going down her throat. Hoffman doesn't really have what you would consider a budget. No. He kind of just kills people with whatever he can find, which, for this movie, are mostly just sharpened metal pipes. Yeah. Uh, so, the basic gist of this is that uh, Bobby has to pull the string, which has a fish hook and a key attached to it, through this woman's, like, oh God. throat. I hate even visualizing and this. she cannot, the room cannot be louder than a whisper, or else the pipes will start to enclose yeah. on her neck. So she has to be quiet while a person fishes out a key from her stomach with a sharp fish hook. And instead of, like, carefully, like, operation no, style. He just pulling, yanks it. He just yanks it. And I, oh, I, ugh. I hate watching that scene. Yeah. Because Bobby's also shitty at, like, doing most things. So he doesn't really, like... I don't think... He really understands what he's supposed to do in this trap. So he just pulls 
and then gets mad at her when she screams, screams in pain. pain. Yeah. yeah. I never got that one. Yeah, that, that one's not, not fun. Though. It also just, maybe it's just because I it makes me very uncomfortable because I could never imagine, like, having to have something be pulled out of my throat. No. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Um, then we move on to the See No Evil Trap, which... See No Evil Trap is dumb, and uh, it doesn't matter, and it's uninspired. I say, that's the one that definitely was used just for 3D and for kind of attacking women, because that's the one where someone's... So she's on this, like... Do we even really want to talk about it? it does, it's just so stupid. It's a weird, like, and rotating two pipes, and nothing really... Because I would say, at least for listeners who maybe haven't seen these movies and are still listening to the last one uh, before they watch them, I think what's cool about all these traps, for the most part, is they're all very different. Mm-hmm. They all find very new and inventive ways to ultimately kill people. And Jigsaw and Spiral, those are, like, the highlights of those movies. Yeah. Those traps are some of the coolest tra- Like, who would think after eight or nine movies you could make fresh, iconic traps? Yeah. That's very impressive. This movie, I think they just blew their load on the car trap because it was so awesome, which is why I kind of forgive all of the um, No Evil traps because they're just uninspired. They don't seem to, like, have a whole lot of originality or care put it like john always puts like a lot of time and care into his traps and it doesn't seem like hoffman gives a fuck Mm -hmm. um especially because we know this from the flashbacks that john was more of the designer and hoffman just kind of put people in shit Mm -hmm. hoffman's not a designer hoffman doesn't design things very well he just kind of kills people (laughs) or gets them into traps so yeah the see no evil trap is not good um, and then we move on to the Hear No Evil Trap, which I think of the No Evil Traps is the most interesting to watch because it's yeah. someone who's essentially blinded with some kind of contraption and is attached to a I think they're just blinded news. with a blindfold. Probably. <laughs> Truly, it was just like they put shit over his face. Yeah. It's not like... I have cut off the optic nerves and your whatever the fuck. It's just like, I've covered your eyes. Yeah, it's just, well, I put this shit over your face. Uh, And he's attached to, like, a kind of loose noose that will eventually be tightened and hang him if he doesn't get the key. And he's in a room where part of the floor is not there. So if Bobby doesn't give him good directions... He will fall to his death. It's like those team building exercise stuff where you have to guide someone verbally through a maze where they can't see, Mm -hmm. except that the maze is floorboards suspended over like a 30 foot drop. Yeah. uh, Where not only will you fall and die, but if they fall and die, they'll just be hung and die. Yeah. And you need to give them a key. Also, <laughs> this is where Bobby makes one of his stupidest decisions. I don't understand how he thought this was a good idea. Because he gets to the key. There's like ten more seconds left. He had an easy fifteen seconds to just like be like, I'm gonna just give it to you. And he was like, I'm gonna throw it to you. Make a basket with your hands. And he gives a terrible throw and sentences. His friend to death. You know how we know it, he still had time? It's because after he throws him the key and the guy feels it bounce off of him, there's like eight seconds before he dies. Of him just going, 
Oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit. I'm like, poor Kale. You had an unfortunate name, now you're just fucking dead. <laughs> also, this one should have been called See No Evil. Can you That's call fucking Yeah. Anyway. Um, then we move on to Bobby's uh, trap of the tooth trap, where he needs to get a combination that has been inscribed on a few of his teeth. And you were the one that said this was originally slated for sorcery. Well, yeah, because they originally... Um, I'll take this part. <laughs> they originally set it for Saw 3, so much so that some of the marketing in Saw 3 yeah. had missing teeth and the hanging teeth. I mean, teeth. the famous poster of Saw 3, at least that I know, the one that's not with Tobin Bell's blood, is just three teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I think it's cool. It's a yeah. novel enough trap. It reminds me, it's that perfect zenith of simple and doable. Um, you know, I, I think that would be enough because then it's like, cool, now you've been tested, Bobby. Yeah. Except that with every single one of these traps, the, the stakes for these type of traps, like from Saws 3 through uh, 3, 4, and 6, are usually, if you do all of these things, you'll see a loved one or something. Uh, his wife has been captured, and with every time he fails to save one of his people, she's, con- she's already chained to this metal stage, and the chain gets pulled tighter and tighter to get her closer and closer to the floor. Uh, so as he enters the final room after just ripping out his teeth, uh, the tape explains to him that his final test is the test that he claims he survived, where he must insert hooks into his chest and pull up to, I think he's got a plug. He has to plug something in, and that's it. I think, no, because that, you're right. Because it'll turn off the electric field around Between her, her and him, Yes. And then he can, I don't know, probably the collar will release or whatever. Yeah. Um, the smarminess of the tape is so funny. Because John is like, as you have so expertly, apparently, equated, uh, the pectoral muscles are absolutely strong enough to hold up someone's weight if you put hooks in them. Which, if I heard that, I'd be like, so this is just to watch me fail. Like, this is the Saw equivalent of when... Lucy pulls the football away from Charlie Brown just to laugh at him. Yeah. Because this man is not going to win. And this woman is going to die. But it's just like, no, no, no. Watch this. Like, it was really just, like, the little, like, last little salt in the wound to be like, you fucking... Didn't even design a trap right, you fucking idiot. Um, which is unfortunate that he fails because then his wife is fucking cooked. And, uh, Danny, how much do you love this part? I am so viscerally mad every time it gets to this point because, and I will fight about this tooth and nail, and I always have, I always We've already fought about it on the show. (laughs) I know, but she didn't know he lied. She was always just with him because she loved him. And he marked her death sentence when she did nothing wrong. And in my opinion, as a writer, I know we're supposed to be all positive, but I'm going to say how you can fix this with one simple change. Have it be that she was the one who who told him to sell it. He brought the story to her. She's the one who told him to sell it. Then she has a reason to be the one who dies. That's kind of, well, then it would also fit with the movie's unfortunate uh, belief that women just want to use men for things. Um... Which is not a belief not, we subscribe no, we to. No, we do not. Uh, it is what the movie is sort of saying. Yes. 
Um, but uh, I, I mean, yeah, it is. I, I will say that this one being the movie, this death being the death that people cite as like, but Jigsaw killed this innocent person. It would not only fix that because she technically, quote unquote, wouldn't be innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have. I would have more of a problem with it if literally the same scene intercut was not Hoffman just killing dozens of cops yeah. for no reason. Uh, like, innocent cops who were just doing their job. He murders them. Like, off, like not, not, this is not like a fun jigsaw trap murder. This is not like they're part of something bigger. Like, he just, kill, he just kills them. Like, he just murders them to get to Jill. Because that, again, we know that Hoffman will do whatever it takes to get to his objective, and he will only kill if he believes it serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. He believes this serves a purpose because he really wants to kill Jill. Um, so, I mean, that whole thing can be easily just, you know, kind of tossed out hand, but this is where we're going to enter uh, further spoiler territory because it is going to get... It's going to get some twisty. It's going to get real. Um, Hoffman kills the entire police force in a joint terrorist attack that is equal parts horrifying and impressive. And we finally get to see what the reverse bear trap does. After he has killed a precinct's worth of people, um, both in the safe house and with a 50 cal machine gun at the uh, gas station mm-hmm. or the the auto body shop, yep. including the police officer, the detective who sucks. who sucks, so he's dead. Um, but after he gets Jill, he brings her. So he basically just ties her to this chair, and is he's in like the jigsaw. Yeah, they're in they're in the precinct. Yeah, so, so they have got the all of the evidence. Of yeah. evidence. It it reminds me like you know in the Arkham City games, and, like they have like the different like case files yeah. and shit. They just got all the evidence. It's just every trap they've ever like recovered is there, mm-hmm. and he's going. He's tied her down. He's gonna go get the reverse bear trap that she used on him. Yeah, the 2.0. And then he sees the original one. Mm-hmm. And he decides he's going to use that one. So he gets the, the big... Because that one's like a big fucker. That yeah. one's like a chunky one. Well, yeah, that one wouldn't fit between two bars. No, no. There's no way to get out. Mm-hmm. So he basically just locks it on her. Doesn't There's no key. He just does it. And, and just starts the timer. And he, watch, he stays to watch to make sure that she dies. The reverse bear trap is so brutal watching it oh, yeah. actually because it just turns someone into like Donald Duck. It just rips open their face like it's a big fucking like cartoon. Like it's just ugh. So and that kills Jill. So Jill dies that way and she dies from the first trap aside from the knife one that he built for Cecil with John's own trap killed Jill. Mhm. Um, I know there's a bunch of subtext in there, but we don't have the time because we have the biggest reveal of all, at least I think. After he has killed Jill, As he is walking Hoffman, Hoffman it goes back to his uh, little hideout. hideout, destroys all the evidence, his drivers and all this shit to fake his own death. They can go undercover, but he stops and, and incapacitated by three pig heads. Three of them. Mm-hmm. One of them is Lawrence Gordon. 
Lawrence That's the one Gordon who reveals himself. Is the ace in the hole jigsaw accomplice and has been since the beginning. So I'm going to just read the tape that he that John gave Lawrence after he survived. Mm -hmm. Because after Lawrence cauterized his wound, John was right out of the door after him. He found him, kind of nursed him back to health, and was gave like, him congratulations. He gave him the prosthesis. He told he told me like congratulations, your life, and he kind of like baptizes him right there. And then we see from then on out. He's been a part of it. But really, before we get into all of that, I just want to read this because I think it's so cool. Hello, Dr. Gordon. You are perhaps my greatest asset. Without you, my work over the last few years would not have been possible. That having been said, I have a request. Watch over Jill, and should anything happen to her, I want you to act immediately on my behalf. In return for that, I will keep no more secrets from you. So we saw, I believe in six, that um, when Jill was on was getting scared of Hoffman, she dropped off a uh, a package to someone's office that we didn't see. And it was for it was Lawrence's office. So he's been kind of dormant. He's been there only if John absolutely needs something. Yeah, and he's the only person he can trust Jill with. And he has shown him the utmost of respect for being like, in return for this, you are my equal. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to keep anything else from you. Mm -hmm. So he was there from Saw 2. He sewed the key behind that guy's eye in the cold open trap of Saw 2. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the one that told John that Lynn Denlin was the nurse that he should pick. Doctor. Uh, sorry, Dr. Lindenlin, and uh, he gave Hoffman the I know who you are note from Saw 5, where that freaked Hoffman out enough to think that someone was on to him. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember back in Saw 5 when I told you I cut like a page long rant? Was this it? I, I have shortened it. But the, the, the point essentially was why he did it. Mm -hmm. It was me thinking out loud to myself why he did it. I'm not going to read you all of it because it doesn't make any sense. But, essentially, it was me trying to suss out, you know, was it, try, was, it Hoffman, was it trying to get Hoffman to cover his tracks better because Strom would be the one sniffing out information, so he was like, hey, get rid of Strom, he knows who you are. Uh, or is it Gordon trying to get Hoffman to double-check that he's safe before assuming the Jigsaw identity? Or is it needlessly throwing him into a paranoia that will inevitably destroy him because he knows he's not worthy? Mm. Does he believe more strongly than John? Kind of like how Hoffman didn't think Amanda was cut out for it. Lawrence doesn't think Hoffman's cut out for it. So he sets up this fucking whole thing. He probably told the FBI. I mean, aside from Corbett at the end of uh, Saw 5 or 6, or 6, um, being the one that probably told the FBI, like, hey, Hoffman escaped and he was the guy that, like, kidnapped me. Uh, it was either him or fucking Lawrence giving him an anonymous tip to be like, he's probably an accomplice. Um, and then it was just me being like, where does he get off thinking that he's worthy? And I'm like, John told me he was worthy. Um, so, he was also the person that is masterminding this legacy. Mm -hmm. Because those two other pighead guys... We have confirmed reports from people that made the movie that yeah, those are the, the two guys. Yeah, those are the two guys from the beginning trap. So, which didn't make sense to me a lot at the beginning. 
but I found out in my research that that trap is supposed to take place, like, while John is still alive. Well, yeah, because they initially filmed it with John and Lawrence in the crowd. Yeah, which I have a whole thing. That would have been so fucking cool. Especially if it was, like, they were separate to make it think, like, oh, Lawrence Gordon is going to be in this movie. He's back. And, like, John was just, like, saw it and left. And you're like, oh, they didn't know about each other. And it's like, no, they fucking were in on it together. They knew the whole time. So, as he's kidnapped uh, Hoffman, he seals Hoffman in the bathroom trap from the first fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Originally... The writers intended these two movies be Saw the Final Chapter Part 1 and Part 2, and him returning would be the big finale of the first movie, which makes absolute sense. That Absolutely. The first movie would end with him, you know, going on this fucking huge, like, war against the police, and the second movie being Hoffman and Gordon. But they had to, you know, make that into two minutes instead of a movie. Yeah. So, which sucks, but um, after Saw 6 didn't do all the box office, lines get decided the two parts should be turned into a single movie. Producers, writers stated the lost elements from the original two-part script might be used in future sequels or prequels. So, that stands to reason that whatever they were planning, wink wink, you know what I'm getting at, mm -hmm. could be used later. The original intention was the opening scene to have the shop window would reveal the jigsaw, and Lawrence would be there, like you said. Uh, originally, the events of the rest of the movie would be two months after Saw 6, so this would just be kind of like a beginning of Saw 5, where it was like, he. this was like a year ago, the Seth Baxter thing, and the rest of the movie is now. Um, they just never said it in this movie because they didn't have the time. Yeah. And again, 25 gallons of blood, they gotta kill people. Gotta kill people. So, I don't want to get into the whole thing about this just yet but i don't want to leave our viewers not having any idea why i really really wanted to talk about this mm -hmm. but i have a theory that the the like jigsaw support group thing is the way that they recruit more people mm -hmm. and that every single person in the support group that clearly is like down with the you know the sickness uh, they're that subscribe to Jigsaw's philosophy are working for them, mm -hmm. either doing very rudimentary work, stalking someone, taking pictures, um, distracting them while they get somewhere, you know, just being the people that you need for these type of conspiracies, mm -hmm. or actively being a participant, you know, kidnapping people, um, moving bodies places, uh, creating traps, getting permits for buildings, all that shit. Yeah. Now it's kind of like a business. Like Saw, the Jigsaw is its own like religion and its own business mm -hmm. that can open up chapters in any city in the country or the world, and they can um, pop up and you know go, disappear at will whenever they want and be this massive terrorist movement essentially. Yeah. Um, but who cares? It's just, that's terrorism is just a word, okay, <laughs> for something that is very cool on paper for a movie. Yes. Um, so I would say that it would be cool, especially to have a soft, like, movie that's kind of like the end of V for Vendetta, where, like, everyone's taking off these pig head masks. It's, like, people from all over the franchise that you'd even fucking know were involved. Yeah. Like, we'll get it with Spiral, where I thought the end of Spiral would be that, where it was, like, every cop was in on it mm -hmm. except like one or two 
Um, but clearly in the marketing, in the poster, like you said, in just knowing human nature, this is something that clearly is existing that they just... It's like, again, remember we talked about that, that big Saw Bible, all the secrets that are probably inside of it? I think that's the biggest fucking secret of all, is that they're like, at any point... When we have no idea what to do, this is our nuclear option. Mm-hmm. This is how we end the franchise. Because what's the secret to immortality, Danny? Or sorry, what's the what's the cure for cancer? It's immortality. I fucked it up. Anyway, but I mean, the point is that the way that Jigsaw the lives forever thing, or that securing of a legacy, is make it too large to destroy. Make it impossible to stop because it's everywhere and it's everyone. And if the whole like marketing for jigsaw did anything it was get me hyped because that was all their marketing was was just people dressed up with the face paint i'm like are they finally fucking doing this and then they didn't but they clearly thought about it all right i have a bit of an outro um written up and then we'll get we'll finish it up uh, so unfortunately this is where the story ends Uh, the last thing we see is hoffman being sealed in the bathroom uh, after Dr. Gordon throws the hacksaw like out of the bathroom yeah. and, like that dumb 3D shot um, suffice it to say the next two movies are different mm-hmm. uh, they're more or less inspired by Saw than they are true canon they're like canon adjacent but think of them as completely uncanon um, and then this that will help at least in my opinion that will help the movies uh while there apparently is hope of a continuation of the core series, for now, this is where the game well and truly ends. Until about two weeks ago. In April 2021, I found this out like two weeks ago. In April 2021, a direct sequel film of Spiral or Jigsaw, they didn't say which one it was, but it was one of the two new movies. I would assume Spiral, because it was a month before it was supposed to open was confirmed to be in development by Twisted Pictures. This is that rumored Spiral sequel yeah. and shit. No one knows what the fuck it is. Lionsgate just said that. Mm-hmm. Because according to Daryl and Bowsman, he stated that it was premature to announce uh, you know, the whole thing, and that that premature announcement surprised him. Uh, and the film's producers, like everyone involved was like, we're making more, oh, okay. Like, they didn't know they were allowed to, mm-hmm. which is cool. He said, quote, just because we made Spiral doesn't mean Saw ceases to exist. Just because Spiral is here, that doesn't mean there won't be a Saw 9. This is not the ninth film in the Saw franchise. There easily could be a Saw 9 that follows Jigsaw, so they still are thinking that Jigsaw is canon. I think they're waiting to see how Spiral goes, Lionsgate, and how audiences respond to determine what happens next. Um, for those that don't know, Spiral was an immense hit, critically and... Uh, um, commercially, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it did. It, it, it fucking it, it did well. Yeah, it it didn't do as well as some of the highest grossing Saw movies, but it did well enough that they're going to yeah. be willing to make it. Put Spire, it put Saw over the billion dollar mark for global box office. Uh, like, yeah. so they're gonna do something with else. Something else with it. Um, in May of 2021, when Spiral came out, longtime Saw series director Darren Lynn Bowsman confirmed that Saw Nine and Ten were separate projects from Spiral 2 and 3 and Jigsaw 2, with both films as well as a television series being in active development. 
Do you know how excited that piece of information got me? That there are upwards of seven projects, five movies alone, and then a TV show that could happen anywhere and be about anything. I could write those. Yeah. Because just like Brian David Gilbert learning everything about Halo, I am the only person I feel like is qualified to write this cult of Jigsaw movie that I really want to do. Um, so, at least on my end, this makes it seem that no matter what people think of the Saw franchise, Jigsaw, or Spiral independently, you could have the same opinion about all three movies, you could have very, very different opinions about all three movies, like we do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, because anything could happen in any of those storylines to please any of the people that like those specific things. So if you like the cool story, like I'm sure Darren Lynn Bowsman is really appreciative of, they've got Saw 9 and 10 probably in the works. If you really want to see what happens with um, Logan and the rest of the gang, you've got Jigsaw 2. And then you've got Spiral 2 and 3. Spiral sequels. Exactly. So, and there's this TV series that could be kind of like the Purge TV series where it's just like everyone else being like, what the fuck is up with these Jigsaw murders? It could be about anything. Or it could be like a Chucky where it's just a new killer. Cool. Which is exactly what... I think that they were supposed to do with Spiral. They just really, really wanted to hammer home that they're like, everyone making this movie really likes Saw. We are just actively creating a new pillar of what will become something new. But we haven't neglected all this other stuff. So they're basically making Spiral and being like, before we give this to you, this doesn't mean anything else about these other movies isn't going to happen. Now take it. Yeah. So that makes me very happy, especially as a Saw fan and as a fan of everyone that makes these movies, because they can do anything that they want, whenever they want, however they want, and that rules. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'll leave you. <laughs> so that concludes the main seven movie canon. Oh my God. Of this episode's the Saw. an hour and a half long. Oh yeah, it is of the Saw series. We're not done yet. We got two more. Spin-off spin sequels, sequels to go. go. That, that is how we are going to cover them as well. I know Jigsaw is technically within canon of this of the original series, but I'm going to blow that out of the water at the end of that episode. Stay tuned. Be excited. All right, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. Uh, you can reach us for comments, requests, and other talking points at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. If you go to our Instagram or go to my Facebook page, we have the URL or the actual link to the first Square Horror promotion done by friend of the show, Damien Maffei, who is also star of Haunt, Strangers Pray at Night, and he's in Wrong Turn. Yeah. He is just... I can't thank him enough for doing this. Yeah, he's, like, it means of the world to us that we can get an ad, especially from someone that like we know mm -hmm. um, and has listened to the show. So it's not just because it's Cameo and I paid him to say these things. I basically was like, talk about the show, and he's listened to it. Mm -hmm. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, until next time. Finally, I can say the last game over. Stay spooky out there.